Hello and welcome to No More Mondays, the podcast where two indie hackers, James McKimbin and Dan Rowden, talk about building their indie businesses. This week we've got a special episode for you as we answer your questions from Twitter. Some of the questions include what we'd work on if money were no object, what's the best things about this podcast and what really is enough. A big thank you to today's sponsor, Upvotee, which you'll find out more about in this episode. Let's get started. Dan, what's happened? You've stopped TikToking. Yeah, <laughs> I ran out of things to do. And then, I don't know, it's just, just the end of last week was, I was busy with other things and I just, I just took one day off to see what would happen kind of thing. And nothing happened, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it's just, yeah. it just doesn't feel like it's worth the hour or so I put into it every day when I have other things to do. But yours is much more beneficial because you're actually showing the thing. Is is there a case for <clears> doing more different videos, Some stuff that takes less time i was surprised at how long the short videos take mm. there's been a few well all, all of mine have been like really rushed end of the day 10 p.m shit i've got to get mm. a video out so are you, are you stopping out do you reckon i don't know because then it, then it was the weekend where i was just busy doing other stuff anyway i'm not sure yeah. <laughs> we'll see because it doesn't translate into anything useful so it's just kind of it just feels like if you think about it purely as a transactional like thing it doesn't like there's no point in doing it yeah but you don't think of twitter as purely transactional no but i get something out of twitter because i'm building on twitter and i'm showing people i get customers from twitter all the time but i doubt two weeks in well maybe not you you, you knew if it was going to work or not but and like we we said 30 days to sort of look back on the 30 days and see what's happened with mm-hmm. it i think like two weeks is a really short without like getting much from it not sure how it would change though in the next two weeks because if it is 98 well, what, what, what did what did you think was going to happen at the start i don't know i didn't really have any kind of goals but i just feel like as time's so, gone on and some videos took off some videos didn't and just i just can't see the benefit really and i just have to kind of weigh up everything i do i have to kind of weigh up against everything else that i do you didn't know if there was going to be a benefit going into it it was just a case that we're committing to 30 days to see what happens mm-hmm. But after 14 days, it's like, meh. It hasn't been our priorities so far. And I just don't know how it would become yeah, our yeah, priority yeah. in the last two weeks. I didn't intentionally think, oh, I'm just going to like quit this now. But like that one day, I just didn't have anything to put out and I was busy doing other stuff. And then, yeah. Yeah. All right. So t- today, Dan, we've got a slightly different episode. I think I saw this in someone else's episode. Maybe it was my first million. But we thought we would put a few tweets out for a few questions see what listeners wanted to ask us that was really cool isn't that a cool thing about twitter right that you just we can put some tweets out each one each and then get some phenomenally interesting questions from people just off the internet how cool is that sponsor slot time Woo! should we get a jingle for the sponsor (laughs) we could do how many how many jingles should we put in How many jingles per episode mm. is is allowed for a podcast? Um, anyway, sponsor. Today, Dan, we have a returning sponsor. Who is it? Tell the world. Upvotee. Upvotee. You know what Upvotee is? Upvotee is the place to inform the features you make from feedback from your users. Because indie hackers, how often are you asking your users for feedback? How are you informing your roadmap? How are you choosing which features to build all you have to do install upvotee's feedback boards and you'll have all of your user feedback in one place you can also close that feedback loop by setting up your changelog and product roadmap 
allowing users to be actively involved in building new features and love your product even more. If you want to give it a go, and I know you do, in fact, pause this episode, head to Upvotee, give it a go now. Just install it, why not? What have you got to lose? Because it's got a 14-day free trial and you'll even get 10% off with the code NOMORMONDAYS. That's upvotee.com or check the link in the show notes. Dan, doesn't that sound exciting? Wouldn't you want to do that for your SaaS? Definitely, yeah. I think I'm going to start talking to customers soon, actually. All right. Yeah. <laughs> We've got 15 minutes. Let's fire through these questions. So the first question here is from my friend Rishi. And I think it's a brilliant question. I love thinking about this often. So it is, if money were no object, what would you work on? I know it's a bit of a cliche question, but it's still an interesting one. Curious to hear your answer. Now, I think I know the answer to this, but as I look deeper into it, I don't think it will be the actual answer. So I would say, if money were no object, I'd make the leather wallets. That's what I'd spend my time doing. But I think if I was doing it all the time as like my job, it would be more frustrating. I think about how much I'd have to make from it in order for it to be sustainable, which is I end up making about 10 wallets a day. Making 10 wallets a day isn't fun. That's about 10 grand a month on wallets and it's 10 a day and that's working seven days a week making wallets. My hands would hurt. I would just be so miserable doing it. But you wouldn't need to do that. You wouldn't need to do 10 wallets a day because you have all the money. Okay, I've got another answer to this. I think I probably want to ride my motorbike around the world, play tennis in each place I get to with the motorbike and like run a cat sanctuary, like a cat rescue thing. That's probably what I would do. Yeah. If if you have enough money to like live, then you don't have to work, right? So the, anything that you do work on has to be something that w- you would want to work on because otherwise why would you do it? Yeah. So that, What about you? What would you work on? Yeah, I... I'd probably just do the same stuff as I'm doing now because I, I don't know of anything else that I enjoy better really? like to work on. The, the only other option would be to try some other things and figure out some other like passion that I have. If I'm doing work, I just want to build tech stuff because that's just what I enjoy. So I, I could sit at the computer all day and code. Like this, I, I could just do it forever. At least for now. I don't know what I'll be like in 10, 15 years, but... That's my answer for this one, mm-hmm. I think, just because it's just what I love doing. Okay, now Jack Ellis, who is the number one troll on Twitter, <laughs> every time I get a notification from Jack, I'm wondering what he said. He ratioed me yesterday when I put out a tweet, which was saying, like, oh, well, it's a Sunday, how do you prepare for your week? And what did he say? He said, like, I usually spend around 10 hours reflecting on my life purpose and planning the upcoming week. I do this around 52 times a year. (laughs) Anyway, so Jack's co-founder of Fathom Analytics. And he asked you specifically, imagine you're given 150K and you have to pick one of your SaaS projects to go all in on for the next four years. Which would you pick? If I had to pick one for the next four years, I think I would try Refermo. Oof! Simply because... It's like a developer tool, so it's like B2B, so you get like higher customer revenue. And Paddle is growing. It's just been revalued at just over a billion dollars. So I Mm -hmm. think they'll use that to kind of grow and get bigger in the ecosystem. And yeah, there's a lot of SaaS out there. There's more and more SaaS products out there that don't have referrals or affiliate programs. And I think piggybacking on Paddle and doing a B2B tool and yeah, just building something for developers might be a better bet than Twitter analytics, which would be my other choice. It's interesting. I thought, so is your plan at the moment 
push forward with referring to tenant in some I've seen it pop up a little bit more in your tweets yeah so I took a few months off from I think I launched it in November December time and then I only just started coding on it again recently yeah I'd like to work on it more I'm going to focus on Elo a bit now because it has the momentum that Refermo doesn't because Refermo only has $27 MRR or something. <laughs> yeah, so, but I think yeah, doing more on Refermo and paddle-based stuff is it's, it's a good idea. It does go back to the multiple projects versus yeah. single focus, doesn't it? <laughs> God, has that been on your mind this week as much as it has yes. mine? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, talking of multiple projects, Ryan Gilbert, who runs the Workspace newsletter. What a fantastic newsletter that yeah, is, by the way. It's just such a simple concept, executed well, just cool workspaces. Ryan asks, how do each of you balance multiple projects at the same time? Are there any similarities or differences? Well, <laughs> so I balance things by just planning out my week and just making sure that I do the, the next best like task. So that for Illo would be build a new feature or fix something or, I don't know, build out something on the blog or no, right now I'm building some marketing kind of products. Cove, I had a, yeah, I don't know, it's just prioritizing what, what to do next. I really wanted to get Cove 2.0 out. So I worked hard on that for a few weeks last month, I think it was. I don't really have any sort of structure because I can literally do whatever on any day, but yeah, it's just kind of pushing everything forward slowly. And if one thing needs your full focus for a bit, then you just kind of have to be okay with the others not getting the love, just like what I said with Refermo. Yeah, yeah. I think Ryan's question about are there any similarities, differences, probably with both of us. Yeah. And I'm probably different because I, I don't manage them very well. And this is partly why I've been having this thought of having a bit of focus for a little while. Because I also wake up and don't have much structure. I don't have an idea the night before of what I'm working on. It would be, okay, shit, what have I got to get done? I would like to have more structure, like, as, as much as I like the freedom and flexibility, I think within that freedom and flexibility, I can have some structure. So maybe one specific day is for an Indie Bytes edit. And I have tried to do this where I've set the Tuesdays and Fridays release schedule. And most of the time, I know on a Monday, I've got to edit. On a Thursday, edit it to go out on a Friday. But yeah, generally, Ryan, I, I struggle to manage everything. I think what I find useful is because I have very concise time blocks in the week to work on stuff, which is sounds totally different from what you have. So like Monday, I have like almost a full day, but then like Wednesday and Friday, I only really have the morning due to like the kids or sport things they have to do. Mm. So I know that I only have like three or four hours to get everything done that day, which means I can like fully focus on like, okay, what can I get done? Maybe this and maybe this. And that just helps kind of narrow it down. Yeah, yeah. I think if I had like a full fluid week, it would be a lot different. I'd maybe find it harder to kind of focus down on things. Next question is from Mark Jeffrey. Oh, Mark is such a lovely chap. He interviewed me on his pod. His question, what's the best thing about being so public on No More Mondays? And what's the worst thing about it? I'm not sure there's any like best or worst things about being on the podcast. I, I think with podcasts, you get very little feedback. So I don't really know what the listeners are thinking or I don't see any kind of negative or positive effects from it directly. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think I've always been an oversharer, not only on podcasts, but to friends when I'm speaking to them. And I sometimes think that maybe I'm sharing details I don't want to share. What if we weren't so public? What if I just got on with my life and didn't share it on a podcast? The best thing is, I think that there's a lot of people that reach out when things aren't 
going right or we're struggling with a particular issue if we're looking for more clients or more customers i think being open and sharing everything really helps i also really like that i think it helps other people that might be going through similar things uh, that don't have an outlet like a podcast with an audience to share it so they're sometimes just stuck on what to do but when we have these conversations it might trigger something for them i've had a few dms about that especially on indie bites when i was doing the like mental health problem challenges episodes i got loads of messages loads of them people going through similar things like thank you for sharing and it made me realize that okay i'm not the only one going through this and sometimes we can feel like that it's quite lonely as an indie hacker so i think that's that's probably the best thing about it yeah i guess if i think about what podcast i've listened to over the years it is great to be able to listen in to like what other people have done or going through or like Mm -hmm. the experiences that they've shared on the podcast and just kind of use that as inspiration or what not to do (laughs) or like yeah it's just it's it can help really to because you're not just you on your own kind of reading stuff it's kind of you're getting fed stories and challenges and like yeah useful information that you can then apply to your own like journeys yeah yeah so I, I think markets mainly positives there's mainly like good things about sharing worst thing it's, it's hard really because if there's something we really don't want to talk about i'll just edit it out mm. and we do have that. so there's there's nothing i really don't want to share and it's not like i've said it and oh shit i can't unsay it because i can just edit it out if i really want to all right this one from matthew what do you both spend on SaaS tools per month and what is one sash you couldn't live without um, I don't know the exact number of SaaS that I, like, I spend on SaaS because I kind of just group everything as expenses. But it's probably in the hundreds. Although my like I have my hosting is quite expensive. I don't know if you'd count that as a SaaS product or not. But hmm. um, I think it's probably like, yeah, one to 200 probably. Let me think what's like the one that I couldn't live without. I don't know. I don't think there's anything that I can live without. I like Logsnag at the moment. It's kind of like my favorite SaaS, which lets you just like record logs basically from your app, like activity events. So I've got them all streaming into this Logstack app from all my different products, different like subscription or new user sign up or installation and code, that kind of thing. So I can keep track of what's happening and who's doing it. Logstack, nice. So I spend £183.99 on software and tools for the, for the business and that there's a few I couldn't live without. So those are Riverside, Descript, and Notion. Those three I like could not live without, but they're boring. Everyone knows about them. Riverside for recording podcasts, Descript for editing them, Notion for running my life. What's one that people might not have heard of? A brand bird I really like. That makes the really pretty images for Twitter. Jim Raptis made that. Fathom I like a lot. If people need privacy-focused, simple analytics. I always found Google Analytics so archaic to use. And Fathom is just nice because I can have like a, a dashboard of all my sites. And I have a lot of them to track. So I can see all of them at once. So yeah, Matt, that, that's, um, that's how much we spend. And that's what we couldn't yeah. live without. I love the next question. <laughs> it's going to be a pretty quick one. When's the best time to start marketing your startup? Before or after development? Right now. 
is the answer. <laughs> there is yeah, no, like yeah. as if there was even a pause there, Dan. Start your marketing now. Do not wait until you've built something. Or, or if you're going to build something, like build it really quickly. Build it in a weekend. Build it in a week. Get your MVP out because there is no point building something. It, this is, of course, with the caveat as if, if you want to make money with it. There is no point building something if you're not going to get paying customers or if you're not got a product that has been validated by people buying it. So yes, start marketing now. Listen to... Dagobert Renouf's Indie Bytes episode where he talks about uh, the years he failed without marketing and now he's just all in on finding marketing channels that work for him. Yeah, and also when you, if you've been building the thing with people using it and already interested in it and you've also been marketing it to new people, when you launch, you've already got like momentum. Whereas if you like build it all and then you launch to zero people, it's kind of quite demoralizing. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to have that mental struggle as well as that or struggle of finding customers yeah i agree all right next question is from matt and we'll keep this one a bit short because i don't actually know the answer so matt has been following the podcast and sharing episodes so and he had an interesting question which is why is setting up a physical business e.g a coffee shop not considered bootstrapping and there was a really good conversation in this thread michelle hansen and arvid carl so i'll leave a link to the tweet so you can have a little look for yourself but one of the responses i liked was that there's like capital investment up front that often you'd have to get like a loan for and might not technically be considered bootstrapping whereas software you can start with pretty much zero and get revenue really quickly and grow from money that you've earned through that business mm. i spoke so to a few local coffee shops actually about this and they've all had to get loans from uh, like the council or they've just saved up for a ton of time in which case yeah probably is bootstrapping right well i think if you put your own funds into it it's called self-funded rather than bootstrapped because i think bootstrapped is when you start from zero right so like with software you can start from zero and you pay the bills thing as the money revenue comes in but self-funded means you just take your own kind of investment to start it so i think those terms are used mm -hmm. quite interchangeably but i think they are actually different and then the final question, love this question, grapple with it all the time, from John Speed, who says, in terms of life goals, what does enough actually look like for each of you? Well, <laughs> for you, it's a hard question to answer because I don't think you know what enough is until you have it. You can strive for like... No, no. What, I, don't, I, yeah. I disagree with that entirely. You never know what enough is. You, you, you won't... I don't think you ever hit that point and realize, okay, that's enough. No, I think you'll always want more until you actually think about what is enough. Paul Jarvis has written the best article about this. Jack Ellis talks about what is enough. I don't think you'll know when you get there because some people might say that 8K MRR is enough. It might be enough for them. What's my enough number? So like my burn is super high, like way higher than for any single young 24 year old and so my enough just keeps going up and up and it will probably keep going up and up if my spending keeps going up and up but i was speaking to my dad about this and if i just paired all of that back like what do i actually need in my life my laptop my cat it's probably it i don't need all that and probably tennis i don't need all the other stuff but I keep paying for all the other stuff and things. Oh, and a roof over my head. Sorry, forgot about that. <laughs> Laptop, cat, tennis, roof over my head. Do you have a Do you have a number in mind? What's enough for you, Dan? So I mean, I can only really think about MRR at the moment because there's no other like core metric that I'm tracking yeah. or following. Yeah. I mean, ideally, 
15 to 20k MRR would be where I end up or I get to in the next few years but I think I, I mean I'd be okay way before that point <laughs> you know what I mean yeah and I don't think that's that's not my like in the question in terms of life goals that's not like a life goal but I already have like pretty good life already like living on a tropical island a healthy family working for myself I don't really have any kind of goals because I'm already kind of yeah. doing what I wanted to do I think in the future just yeah just looking after my kids and <laughs> making sure they grow up comfortably and go out on their own like, yeah. in a good position I'd be interested to see when you get to your 15 20k whether you still feel that's enough because I, I I actually have a pretty similar goal that 15 to 20k I don't know why it just seems like that amount of money each month is enough to not have to worry about the the spending and like money should at that point just be accumulating mm. all right well thank you for the questions they were really interesting questions sorry if we didn't get around to all of them but yeah they were good what do you think about that do you enjoy the question it was good know? yeah yeah i enjoyed that they're all kind of topics we've talked about before which is interesting or we've touched on maybe yeah i think we could do this again in like a few months time hey dan it's time for your cue you ready all right it's time for tweet of the week now it is indeed time for tweet of the week Let's kick off with mine. So I found this Threadboy tweet, which I, I don't know, the, the, the title of it is not great, but then when I read through it, it's actually kind of good. So seven habits that will get you ahead of 95% of people in their <laughs> 20s. I've got no interest in getting ahead of people, but there were a few things that in here that I found interesting. One is solitude. Learn to enjoy your own company. Travel alone, take walks alone, go to cafes alone. Learn to be happy alone so you don't waste your life chasing validation from others. I like this because I've always enjoyed doing stuff alone, going to cinema alone, going out for food. My dad always said, yeah, I just really like my, my own company. And the next thing is delaying gratification. This is the, the dopamine thing is, again, we're so like drained by phone, social media, practice something like writing, reading, meditation. And I found this very recently actually, Dan, where I've tried to read books and I've got really bored really quickly and I'll reach for my phone instead and I'll just be like opening apps, scrolling and like not getting the instant dopamine. So I might need to revisit this dopamine detox because I'm just, I'm not doing any of the writing or reading, yeah. the stuff where I'm not getting instant dopamine. You kind of have to like re um, reprogram your brain a bit. That's how I found, like, because I, I got into books again mm. and it was quite hard sometimes to sit there and just read text for a long yeah. time. But it's, I think you just have to kind of just keep doing it and eventually you'll, you'll end up, yeah, being better at it. Okay, your tweet, Dan. Okay, my tweet is from Blakey. How do you resist the urge to start building every new idea you have? Which is a valid question, but... I mean, I, th I saw it as, yeah, quite funny. I said, <laughs> I said, I've made enough already that I literally cannot anymore. But I think it's a valid question because a lot of us, because we can start making the ideas that we have because it's yeah, tech yeah. and like SaaS and stuff that we do it more than we should. And yeah, some of the other answers to this question were like customer feedback or like trying a hundred ideas and getting like filtering them through and then you'll end up with one business. But I think, yeah, it's just an interesting question. I think that we should maybe be <laughs> thinking about because we shouldn't build every idea we have. Yeah. Arvid Carl in the Zero to Sold, he was the first person that I really read about idea validation, how to find ideas that are actual critical problems that wanting to be solved. 
I think ideas can be really fun to work on, but if you want to make a living out of it, then there is more of that validation of ideas you have to do. And don't spend six months building something. If you do start building something, make sure that it's something you know has got some sort of a need in a market so you've already talked to people otherwise mm-hmm. you're just building something that could just be a total waste of time all right on that note we'll wrap up yeah. see you next monday see you next week thank you for listening to this very special q a edition of no more mondays with james mckinman and dan rowden but before i go listeners if you have any questions that you have for us please send us a tweet we're at no more mondays fm on twitter this won't be the only time we'll do a q and a episode but if you have anything specifically you want to know on a week-to-week basis any questions about the episode just send us a message on twitter all right that's enough from us see you next monday <laughs>